Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Ratchet Book Club, Hood Classics, Good Classics, Derek. The world don't make no sense no more, y'all. Money gone. Money gone. Make a shot money. It just makes you want to... Oh my God. Mecca. I never saw that coming. How do I say goodbye? And only the 12th chapter. Nigga, of all the ways that this could have played out, all of them, and there's a myriad of different ways this shit could have played out. Like, for starters, that money literally never gets touched because he's not in the gangster life. This is the way they played it out. With his uh, brother being jealous. His brother's a cheating motherfucker, but he's being jealous and possessive. And so now we're dealing with the fact that this nigga who cheated on his, cheated with his brother's girlfriend is gone. He was so young. He was so smart. He was so money wise. And his brother blamed the Haitians. Like, I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to play that out. He blamed the Haitians when this all happened to Lena's house. How's that going to work? Also, 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address, Ratchet Book Clubs, where you can find us out on Twitter. We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash single simulcast. Help me buy books and buy me a coffee, backslash SSCast. It's too early in the book for this, man. I, I just woke up. Damn money. Money. Okay, let's go. Chapter 13. Bitch, you's a murder mama. I don't give a fuck where the coroner bag him. Robin. Bitch, are you paying attention to me? Robin threw a pillow on Mia Moore's face, snapping her out of her trance. Yeah, I'm listening. I hear you, damn. Mia Moore replied with a slight attitude as she tossed the pillow back. Whatever. You didn't hear nothing me just said. Aries teased. Bring your head out the clouds, Mia Moore. We got a chance to get back at the cartel and get at that motherfucker that killed your sister. This is important. What's also important is, and I hope they get that figured out, the nigga who's running around the town with his dick cut off, who knows all three of their faces. That's important, too. The three girls sat comfortably on Mia Moore's bed while they plotted their revenge. 
Mia Moore was trying her hardest to concentrate, but she couldn't. Every time she closed her eyes, Carter crept into her thoughts. Her time in Costa Rica was like a fantasy. He had showed her a side of life that she had never experienced before, and it opened up the heart that she thought had forever been closed by lock and key. Mia Moore shook her head, sat up against her headboard, and looked at both of her friends. They were her sisters, her partners in crime, and she knew that her distraction could put them in jeopardy. I have to get focused, she thought. What'd that nigga do to you over on that island? Robin asked with an insinuating tone. I know you ain't stressing him like that. Not Mia Moore. Not the one who said niggas ain't good for shit but a broken heart. He's not like that, Mia Moore stated in Carter's defense. I know I did not just hear she say that. Aries put her hand on Mia Moore's forehead. Are you sick or something? Because this ain't the same bitch I sent over to that island. Mia Moore had to laugh as she knocked Aries' hand away. I'm serious. Yo, he's not like that. Oh no, there's something about him that has me stuck. He's, he's, you fucked him, didn't you? Robin asked. The smile that spread across Mia Moore's face revealed the answer before she could even speak. Oh, she fucked him. Was he good? Because he could get it any day from me. Aries stood up and bounced her voluptuous behind up and down doing a freaky dance. I would put it on him. Mia Moore laughed as she pulled a 45 from the shoulder holster she was wearing. She removed the clip and popped a single bullet from the chamber and pointed the pistol at her friend. Bitch, I'm going to put this on you if you keep talking like that. Aries ignored Mia Moore's idle threats as she continued to pop her ass and hips. Whatever. I would have that fine motherfucker all up in me. Them bullets don't stop no show. Mia Moore and Robin were laughing so hard the tears are coming to their eyes. Okay, okay. Can y'all bitches concentrate for a hot little minute while we discuss this business? Robin asked. Aries stopped dancing and sat back down on the bed, while Robin pulled the daily newspaper from her Aramis bag and spread it across the bed. You think Matisse still want the cartel job done? Robin asked. Oh no. There was a truce or something established between them, so now I'm not so sure. Mia Moore shook her head. Well, you need to call and see, because we're going to get at the boy Mecca regardless. We might as well get paid in the process. You feel me? Robin asked. Mia Moore nodded and flipped up her cell phone to dial Matee. Matee greeted her as soon as he answered the phone. Mia Moore, me ain't heard from you. How you doing? He knew exactly who was calling him due to his high-tech security. When he received a call, he knew your first and last name along with your current location, so she wasn't surprised. He was always on point. Also, caller ID. Don't be that impressed. It's fucking 2008. Bitch, caller ID did exist back then. I'm not impressed. Even on my Nokia phone, caller ID was, was there. Because you could put niggas' numbers and names into your phone. Which is why some folks will put use a fool if you because at the bottom it will say answer and then you have to push a button. So if you didn't want to talk to him, the ringtone would come up as or the, the caller ID would come up as you a fool if you answer. That was dope when I was a kid. Also, money gone. Point scene. Money gone. I'm well. Thanks for asking. 
She hesitated, but was urged on when she noticed Aries waiting in anticipation. Look, I'm calling regarding that unfinished business that we have with each other. You still need that job done? She asked, getting straight to the point. Unfortunately, me had to put that on hold. After what happened to me little angel's party, me hand was forced to call a truce. Me a man of honor. Me word is all me have. Me will not break the truce. The only way me will put the contract back up is if the cartel break the agreement first. Then and only then will me pay you for the bounty. I hear you. Look, if you change your mind, we're ready. Just say the word and we'll make it happen. Is the ticket still the same on that? She asked. Mati let out a small chuckle. If they do not hold up their end, then me will pay 1.5 for it. Well, like I said, Mati, I'm trying to see that. So let me know, she said before hanging up. What did he say? Robin asked eagerly. Bounty's not good unless the cartel breaks the truce first. Otherwise, he's going to keep his word. He's willing to pay a mil five if they do show shade. And ain't it just fortunate that Mecca just killed money and blamed it on the fucking Haitians? So now they're going to come back and probably kill his daughter and all this other kind of bullshit? Ain't it just fortunate the way that this book works out like that? Like, this book works in such mysterious ways. Then we have to make sure the cartel breaks the truce so we can see that cash and kill the kid Mecca, Ares replied. I don't know, y'all. Y'all talking about initiating a war between two sides that have agreed to lay low. With everything that happened with Nice, my head is all over the place. Emotions throw my judgment off. Everything I've been going through with her death has me all fucked up. I don't know if I'm ready to get at them again. It's hard on all of us, Mia. We love Denisa too, and it's not just about the money anymore. They made it personal when the nigga Mecca killed her, Robin said. I haven't forgotten, Robin. He gon' get it. Believe that, Mia Moore said, venom in her voice and tears in her eyes. Well, we think we found a way to get at him and bring down the cartel too. Robin pointed her finger at the newspaper on the bed, causing Mia Moore to pay attention to it. Is this Mecca's obituary? Mia Moore picked up the paper and studied the face closely. Confusion swept over her face, and her forehead dropped in a deep frown. Someone got to him before we did? Not Mecca. His twin brother, Monroe. Ari stated smugly. Robin added, The funeral's tomorrow, Mia. You know Mecca and the rest of the cartel will be there. It's our chance to catch him while they're weak. Mia Moore lifted her eyes from the newspaper to meet Robin's gaze. At his brother's funeral? She said with doubt. I don't know. Bitch, you's a murder mama. Ain't nothing to think about. We don't give a fuck where the coroner bags him. The nigga disrespected, Robin yelled. So he got to get it, Aries chimed in, finishing her friend's sentence. Fuck them, Mia. Let's get at these niggas. Mia Moore nodded her head in agreement, and in an instant, the coldness in her heart settled back in. Fuck the cartel. Fuck Mecca, his world, and everyone in it, which includes Carter. She just don't know that yet. Mia Moore was about to avenge her sister's death and make Mecca's mother feel what she felt when she buried her sister. I'm in. 
also technically his mother's feeling what she felt when she buried his sister because she's burying his brother which means you know it's kind of already in played in motion you don't want her to feel the emotion twice so quickly but i mean i'm Mecca sat at the family room of the diamond house his insides were hollow and he cried to himself tears falling uncontrollably from his eyes what did i do money my baby my blood what the fuck did i do he thought silently his conscience was eating him alive he had murdered his twin brother they had come out of the womb together and now the money was gone mecca didn't feel whole he couldn't believe that his rage had blinded him to this point, and he knew that if he wasn't so intoxicated from the drugs and booze that his temper would have never taken him so far. I'm so sorry, bro. I love you, baby. I love you, man. His mind was spinning, and his heart ached. This is all my fault, he cried. Mecca, this is not on you. Those Haitians are to blame for this, not you. Nobody saw this coming, Polo stated as he paced back and forth. Mecca knew that the lie he told would hold up. It was a convenient story that pointed the blame towards their beef with Mati, but seeing the anguish that he had caused his family was more than he could take. Why is this happening to us? Breeze asked. First Papa, now money. They're tearing our family apart. Her eyes were red and swollen as if she hadn't gotten sleep for days. She looked to her mother for answers. But Taryn was stricken beyond belief and couldn't open her mouth to answer. She knew that if she spoke then, her tears would leak from their confinement. She couldn't allow that to happen. Just as she had been the foundation that held her family up during her husband's funeral, she had to be strong now and perform what was once her husband's role and be the glue that held her family together. The sound of the doorbell interrupted them, and Mecca went to answer it. When he opened the door, Carter stood before him. They slapped hands, and when Carter pulled them close, they fell into a hug as Mecca cried. Young Carter was the only brother he had left, the only other male in the Diamond family he could call on. He was family, and all they had was each other. I'm sorry, fam, Mecca sobbed. Holding his brother and hearing him break down caused tears to come to Carter's eyes. It's all right, fam. Let it out, baby. Let it out. Carter whispered as he pulled Mecca's head into his chest as if he was his little nigga. Mecca was always so boisterous, so hard. Now his spirit was half gone. He was getting ready to bury a part of himself. And he knew that when Money's casket hit the dirt, his heart would too. His twin brother was gone, and Carter had no idea that Monroe's death had been at the hands of Mecca himself. Polo stepped into the foyer. But when he witnessed the two men united as brothers, he paused. He didn't want to interrupt their moment. He was my brother, man. My baby, Mecca sobbed. Carter and Mecca released one another. They stood there face to face. And for the first time, there wasn't even the slightest bit of animosity between them. This is, this is, this is like when that nigga from, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. died in the Avengers. And so all of a sudden, then Tony Stark and Captain America weren't fighting anymore because they had a common cause to believe in. But then that nigga came back to life later on and just thought he was in Tahiti or something. It's like that. When Polo cleared his throat, they turned around to face him. 
We need to talk. In the kitchen, he said. They followed Polo to the kitchen and took a seat at the table. Carter stared at Polo. How the fuck did this happen? It's my fault, man. Money took Lena home because of me. We had a fight, and he was doing me a favor. Once I cooled down, I decided to go over there to check on her. When I got there, I saw two dread motherfuckers running out of her crib. I rushed in to see about Lena, and they both were laid out in there, fam. Mecca dropped his head, unable to hold his brother's stare. He couldn't tell him what he had done. It was something that he would take to his grave. I mean, don't the bullets have fingerprints on them? Something? Anything? You ain't got a ring? Well, this is 2008, so okay, there wouldn't be a ring. Let's go ahead and X that out the conversation. Or would there? Nope. Ring was discovered in 2013, created in 2013. But there were still cameras. Somebody should have saw something. Something. It's all Polo's fault. We got to get a handle on this, Polo stated. The fuck happened to the truce? We kept our end up. What triggered this? Carter asked. We don't know, but we got to retaliate, Polo replied. Right now, we just got to make it through today. I don't think it's too smart for us to keep fanning the flames. It's obvious that we're touchable right now. They've killed two of our soldiers, our leaders, and we've only knocked out their henchmen. We need to think before we attack, Carter said. I agree, Polo stated. Taryn walked into the room. The limo is here, she announced, her voice barely audible. Carter arose from his seat and hugged her tightly. I'm sorry, he told her as they embraced. You have to fix this, Carter, Taryn told him. I need you to save my family. Our family. Keep Breeze and Mecca safe. I don't know how much more of this I could take. Carter nodded. I will. I promise. Polo escorted Taryn to the car, and Breeze held on to Carter's arm for dear life as they followed behind. She cried softly. It was almost time for the funeral to begin. Look, when we walk in this motherfucker, we go straight to the front of the church. Mecca will be sitting on the front pew, so that's the easiest way to hit. Fuck! Seriously? This is another one of those things where there's no divide, no nothing? I'm just reading like they talking like they like this, the family devising how the fuck they gonna go to a funeral? The fuck? Fuck! Look. When we walk in this motherfucker, we go straight to the front of the church. Mecca will be sitting on the front pew, so that's the easiest way to hit him. Act like we go and view the body and then start blazing on him. There'll be members of their entourage all over the church, so make sure you spray anyone who's standing in the way. There are three of us going in there, so I want there to be three of us leaving out, Mia Moore stated. Like, goddamn, got me reading all nice and shit when she's trying to talk hard. The girls wore knee-length H&M raincoats with knee-high boots. Inside their coats, they held street sweepers. They weren't fools. They knew that they were outnumbered in bodies. But in bullets and ammunition, they were equal to anything that the cartel could throw at them. They exited their vehicle and walked into the church. There were hundreds of people inside the place that the girls made their way down the aisle. But they noticed the security was on point. Mia Moore's hand gripped the steel inside her coat and she could hear her heart beat in her ears. She could see the backs of the family's head as she walked. 
Mecca said at the end. She knew it was him because of his long braids and a slight smirk crossed her face. She could already taste his blood in her mouth as she bit down the inside of her cheek, something she always did when she saw her unsuspecting prey. She was indeed a calculating killer. Mia Moore stepped to the casket and looked down at Monroe. Robin and Ari stood by her side. They all waited for her signal. Mia Moore stood silently and a single tear slid down her cheek. Monroe looked so peaceful, so gentle. He looked to be the exact opposite of his murderous twin brother Mecca. Goofus and Gallion. She exhaled and jumped slightly when she felt someone grip her arm. She turned around, ready to bust off on the first face she saw. But the man before her caused her to take a step back. Oh my God, she whispered. Her girls looked at her in confusion. What are you doing here? Carter asked her. Mia Moore's eyes gazed over at Mecca. His face was in his hands. She scanned the entire pew and took in the faces of the Diamond family. Her eyes stopped when she noticed Breeze. Breeze is Carter's sister. Breeze is Mecca's sister. Carter is Mecca's brother. He's a part of the cartel, she thought. The room felt like it was spinning as she looked up at Carter. This was the emergency, she thought, putting two and two together slowly in her head. So he didn't tell her shit when they left Costa Rica? Nothing? Like in her anguish, in his anguish, when she had just spilled her guts to him and he's like, there's an emergency. You didn't just tell the woman that you want to know her heart and mind. You didn't tell her about your brother being murdered when she told you about her sister. You didn't tell her nothing. Like, okay, for real, for real, not on the whole flight back home from Costa Rica to fucking Miami. Not, not one conversation, nothing. Okay. I didn't know you knew my brother. I, me and Moore was at a loss for words and her mind was unable to formulate a lie. Robin stepped up and said, she doesn't. I do. We were friends, and I'm just coming to pay my respects. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Carter peered at Mia Moore. You okay? She nodded, still unable to speak. Look, I gotta get back to my family, but I'll call you, Ma. He leaned in and kissed her on the cheek before walking away. Mia Moore turned to her friends. I have to get out of here, she whispered. Mia, what about the plan? Robin asked. Fall back. I can't do this right now. But Mia Moore, Aries interjected. I said fall the fuck back. Mia Moore walked out of the church and almost ran to her car. When she got inside, her head fell to the steering wheel in defeat. He's his brother, she said aloud. He's a part of the cartel. Robin and Aries exchanged glances. They knew that Mia Moore was feeling Carter. She had broken her number one rule and had gotten emotionally involved. Mia Moore, fuck him. He's one of them. Let's go back in there and do what we can to do, Robin stated. Aries looked sympathetically at her friend, but kept quiet. I can't, Robin. It's not that simple. It is that simple. You gonna choose him over Anissa? 
Someone has to pay for what Mecca did to her. Robin, shut the fuck up, okay? That's she sister you talking about. Aerie said in Mia Moore's defense. I thought she forgot, Robin said smartly, her arms folded across her chest. Bitch, shut the fuck up talking. It's your fucking problem. You talk too fucking much. I can't even hear myself think. I know what the fuck I have to do. I was there, Robin. I know, okay? I just can't do this right now, Mia Moore said as she started her car and drove away. She dropped her girls off at the apartment that they shared. The car ride there was filled with silence and tension. We're going to make that money, so don't think this is over. It's us versus them, Mia. He's the enemy, Robin stated before she got out the car, slamming the door behind her. Aries looked back at her friend, who was staring straight ahead, looking at the road. Do you love him, Mia? No, she quickly answered. Her heart fluttered when the word left her lips, letting her know that her body knew better. She closed her eyes, and Anissa's face popped into her mind. She slowly opened them and breathed deep. I'm going to kill him and everybody he loves. Ari stepped out of the car and well, you just missed that opportunity. I just want to throw that out there real fucking fast. Like you literally missed that opportunity. Ari stepped out of the car and watched Mia Moore as she drove away. She looked up at Robin who was standing on the stairs of their building. Did you have to be so fucking rude? Give she a break, Robin. Damn, you know she in a fucked up situation, Ari stated. You lucky I not she, cause I would have beat your ass first and made up with you later. Aries and Robin walked into their building arguing, both knowing that there would never be any real beef between them. Mia Moore drove around the city for two hours trying to make sense out of her dilemma. Instinctively, she found herself driving towards the cemetery. She had to talk to her sister. When she made it there, she saw the same crowd of people that she had seen at Money's funeral. She knew that they were there to bury his body next to his father's, the infamous Carter Diamond, founder of the cartel. She didn't care, though. She still parked her car and walked over to her sister's grave. She knelt down and cried. Anissa, he's Mecca's brother, she said as she touched her sister's headstone. She closed her eyes. He's a brother of the man who killed you. I miss you so much. I promise that I'm not going to forget what he did to you. I'm going to kill him. I swear on everything I love. Thoughts of Carter filled her head, but she quickly replaced them with her sister's face. Why is this so hard? It just is. A voice behind her said. Startled, she stood to her feet and turned around. Carter stood there in a black Sean John suit, his hands tucked away in his pockets, and his muscular physique hung its linens well. His eyes were red as they gazed down at her tear-stained face. It's always hard when you lose someone you love, he said. Mia Moore didn't respond. She had so much hate for him and his family in her heart. Her sister was underneath her feet at this very moment because of what Carter stood for. He reached for her, but she pulled away slightly. Don't, she whispered. He didn't listen and stepped closer to her. 
She wanted to run from him. He was the only person she had ever encountered who intimidated her, and she despised him because of it. He's a part of the cartel. I slept with this man. I kissed him and let him explore me. I opened up my mind and body to him. I was willing to give him my heart, and he's Mecca's brother, she thought painfully. He put his arms around her waist and pulled her near, even though she still tried to resist. I wish I could have met her, he said as he pulled out a handkerchief and wiped away her tears. His touch was so gentle, so loving. He was perfect. You love her so much. I can see it in your eyes that you're hurting. Don't talk about her, she replied in a whisper. She didn't want him to speak Anissa's name. He had no right to. I want to be here for you, Mia. I want you to be here for me. I didn't know how I was going to make it through today until I saw you at the church. Seeing your face did more for me than you know. Mia looked up at him, and his words played funny tricks with her heart. Loving him would be wrong. Being with him would be wrong. But playing on his feelings towards her to inflict her revenge would be so right. Can I be around this man and not love him, though? Can I do this? She asked herself. Yes. I'll do it. It's never been hard for me to murk a nigga before. I'm going to finish what I started. I'm sorry about your family, she said sincerely as she reached up and wrapped her arms around his neck. I'm so sorry, Carter. Carter thought that she was apologizing out of respect for Monroe. What he didn't know was that she was apologizing for the death and pain that she was about to cause his family. She was going to become his only weakness and then use it against him. He didn't know it yet, but he was going to contribute to his family's demise. I, I honestly figured that it was going to happen when, you know, she met the family or something like that. I didn't expect all this to lead up to that, but we saw this coming. Well, I saw it coming because, I mean... I do this, but I'm sure y'all saw it coming too. Like, I'm going to give you your props. Did you though? I hope you did. You've been rocking with me this long. I know you did. Faithful listeners, I know you did. I know you didn't. I'm sorry, I just had to say that real quick. It follows up behind, I know you did. I don't really know you didn't. I'm just saying, I know you didn't. But, chapter 14. God, please forgive me, for I have sinned. Money, Papa, I'm coming to join you. Mecca Diamond. Lena's eyes shifted back and forth frantically as her blurred vision became clearer about a second. She didn't recognize where she was. Tubes were coming from her nose, and the steady beep of her heart monitor echoed through the room. The last thing she remembered was Mecca pointing the gun at her and hearing a loud blast. Instinctively, she began calling for her man. Mon- Monroe, she whispered as she blinked her eyes rapidly, trying to regain clear vision. She tried to sit up, but an excruciating pain shot through her body. She felt the tenderness in her arm and then realized it was where the bullet had struck her. She immediately began to think about the unborn child that she was carrying. She nervously began to fill in her belly and wondered, Was her child okay? That's when she heard the unfamiliar sound of a man's voice, 
and she instantly grew terrified. She saw a tall, older man with a beer belly. He had on an expensive silk shirt with the first three buttons unbuttoned. Typical gangster attire for older Florida natives. An unlit cigar hung from his mouth as he stood up and walked towards her. The man was of Dominican descent and had slick hair that was neatly brushed to the back. Lena tried to scream, but she was too weak to project her voice. She immediately tried to reach for the emergency call button next to her bed, but was unable to move her arm. The man loomed over and gently tapped her, whispering, It's okay. It's okay. Lena quickly smacked his hand off hers, and tears formed in her eyes. She knew one of Mecca's goons were there to finish what he had started. Don't worry. I'm not going to hurt you, Lena, the man said as he sat at the edge of her bed. Who are you? And how do you know my name? Lena scooted to the opposite side of the bed, trying to get as far away from him as she could. She grimaced as she felt the pain in her arm. She clenched her stomach, all the while keeping her eyes on the man in front of her. My name is Emilio Estes. Monroe was my grandson, he said as he dropped his head, noticeably saddened. Was? What do you mean was? Where's money? Lena's face frowned up. He didn't make it. He's gone. Estes stood up and wiped the tear to threaten the fall. The thought of Monroe's death made him weak. He quickly regained his composure and stared into the eyes of the woman who had birthed his great-grandchild. He had been through her throughout the entire time she was in a coma. When he got to Lena's house on the night of the shooting, he was the first to discover that the Haitians had left Lena alive and that she was carrying a child. He arranged for Lena's status to be kept a secret and got her moved to the top floor of the hospital, where they usually admitted celebrities and people of prestige. The doctors told him that the baby would be fine, and he was determined to make sure Lena would be taken care of until she delivered his first great-grandchild. Lena stared aimlessly in complete shock. The words that left Estes' mouth sent a dart straight to her heart. He's gone? No, he can't be, Lena said as her voice began to shake. Her whole world had just crumbled, knowing that the only man she ever loved was gone. His funeral was a couple days ago. Sorry, sweetheart, Estes said as he stepped closer to the bed. Heartbroken, Lena broke down in tears and cried like a child. Estes put his hand on her hair, slowly stroking it to comfort her. She gripped her stomach, remembering that she was carrying Monroe's child. Fear sunk in as she wondered if her baby was okay. It was the only piece of Monroe she had left. Estes noticed a sudden look of worry on her face. The baby's fine, Lena, he said. Lena took a deep breath and buried her face into her hands. Thank God. Thank God my child is safe, she whispered as she continued to cry a river. You know... Before the coma, we're going we're gonna to call that B.C., you know, not sacrilegiously, not before Christ, just before coma, B.C. So, about four hours B.C., she wanted an abortion. 
He wanted an abortion. They wanted an abortion. But now that she's, I guess, maybe three weeks AC, AD, works out either way, AD. Now she wants to keep the baby? This don't work well. Estes wanted to be supportive of Lena, but revenge was the main thing on his mind. He wanted to affirm the Matisse Haitian mob was responsible for the killing. I know you're going through a lot right now, but I have to ask you a question. Who killed my grandson? Your grandson, she repeated as she briefly stared him in the eyes. Estes took the cigar out of his mouth and slightly frowned. What did you say? He asked in a heavy Dominican accent. Mecca killed Monroe. Mecca did it. Estes was at a loss for words as he clenched his teeth and involuntarily balled up his fists. He was hurt by her words, and his anger got the better of him. He angrily grabbed Lena by her hand and squeezed it tightly. Don't fucking lie to me, he yelled. I'm not lying. I swear to you. Mecca shot both of us. He went crazy. Monroe and I were fooling around and he walked in. But I wasn't serious with Mecca. Monroe was the one that I loved. Estes caught himself and released Lena's hand. He shook his head from side to side and remembered the look in Mecca's eyes at the funeral. He knew something wasn't right with his only living grandson. Estes was a firm believer in family morals and loyalty. What Mecca had done was the ultimate betrayal, and Estes quickly disowned him. Estes was from the old school and played by the rules. If you went against the family, you weren't considered family anymore. The thought of vengeance was the only thing he could fathom. He motioned to the man that was in the corner of the room to come to him. Lena was startled. She never even realized they weren't alone. A Dominican man emerged from the shadows of the darkened room, and Estes whispered something in his ear. The man quickly exited the room, and Estes sat next to Lena and instructed her that he would look after her, and everything would be okay. Unbeknownst to Lena, Estes ordered the death. <clears throat> Unbeknownst to Lena, Estes ordered the death of his only remaining grandson, Mecca. Mecca sniffed a long line of cocaine, using they're doing it again. Mecca sniffed a long line of cocaine, using his nostrils like a Hoover vacuum. His hair was unbraided and wild all over his head, giving him the look of a crazed man. He quickly jerked his head back so his nose wouldn't run. He stared at the items on the table, a bottle of Remy Martin, two Desert Eagle handguns, and a bowl of pure Coke. He had already sniffed two grams and was high out of his mind. He reached over to his end table to grab the picture of himself, money, and their father. It was a picture that had been taken when they were little boys, both of them sitting shirtless on their father's lap. He remembered that day and smiled. That smile quickly turned into a saddened expression, which was then followed by tears. 
He was deeply remorseful for his actions and continued to shed silent tears as he picked up the bottle and took a big gulp of liquor and then another line of blow. I'm sorry, money. I'm so sorry, bro. He said as he broke down crying hysterically. I love you, man. He whispered as he stood up, almost falling back down. He looked around his tri-level condominium that overlooked the sands of Miami's coastline. He staggered over to his balcony with the bottle in one hand and the picture in the other. He forcefully pushed open the door and stumbled out. He looked into the sky as the moonlight shined down on him. He felt worthless, like he was a scum of the earth. He took another swig of the drink and threw the bottle off the balcony and watched it land in the Olympic-sized pool below. His condo was three stories above ground, and as he glanced down, the mixture of liquor, height, and cocaine caused him to become disoriented. He looked at the picture again and kissed it. He remembered back when he was innocent and untainted by life's ills. He wished he could start back over and have his life back with his father and brother. But now both of them were gone. Mecca took off his Timberland boots and carefully climbed on top of the railing. He took off his shirt, exposing his definitive tattoo to cover chest and arms. He closed his eyes and spread his arms out like an eagle soaring in free air. God, forgive me for I have sinned. Money, Papa, I'm coming to join you. He said as he prepared to jump to his death. Before he took the leap, he heard a stampede of feet coming from beneath him. He opened his eyes and glanced down and couldn't believe his eyes. Am I drunk? He asked himself as he saw at least 15 men of Dominican descent creeping into his first floor patio door, all of them carrying assault rifles or handguns. Okay, this is me. So there's this movie. Came out in the 80s. I don't know if y'all have heard of it. Called Scarface. Where right after Scarface kills Manny for fucking around with his sister. Because Scarface had this nasty, like, nobody else can touch my sister sort of shit going on with his sister. Which was really weird throughout the entire fucking movie. But, after he catches Manny and finds out that Manny and his sister were married. He shoots Manny and kills him. And then he's feeling all bad about it. He's crying about how much he missed Manny and all that kind of shit. And he's taking lines of cocaine. Like he's snorting up entire mountains of cocaine. And drinking. And talking about looking at pictures of him and Manny. And then his sister comes in. And he he she tries to shoot him. Or she shoots him. And then he she gets shot. And so he sniffs up more cocaine. And he's crying. And he sees all these Dominican men. No, they were Cuban. Were they? There were something. Anyways, he sees Autumn running up into his house and he pulls out the, the gun and he does a whole, say hello to my little friend. Favorite part of the movie. Like seriously, one of the top 10 best end scenes ever in a movie. Same thing's happening here. Mecca knew who sent him. His own grandfather. He had seen those same goons wipe out other crews while growing up. Mecca instantly grew enraged. His pride was still intact, and he figured if he was going out, it would be with a bang. Mecca hopped off the- Why the fuck didn't they just shoot him? Like, didn't they hear him screaming drunkenly on the rail? Like, just aim your gun up and shoot. Target practice. Mecca hopped off the rails and stepped back into the house. 
He walked over to the table and grabbed both of his guns. He then dipped his entire face into the cocaine bowl and took a deep sniff, just like Scarface. Cocaine was all over his face as he rose up with bloodshot red eyes. He walked over to the radio, and the sounds of Tupac blared out of the speakers. He turned the volume up as high as he could, so the intruders didn't have to guess which part of the house he was in. Come on, motherfuckers! Mecca yelled. He pounded his chest just before breaking the bulbs in the big lamp that lit the room up. He wanted to kill every single man who came for him. He was about to set that motherfucker off. Mecca ran to the corner of the spacious room and kneeled behind the couch and cocked both of his guns. Y'all trying to come in my home and get me? Do y'all know who the fuck I am? Huh? He yelled over the couch as four men ran into the room and positioned themselves. If he calls these motherfuckers cockroaches or says say hello to my little friend, I'm going to keep reading the book. But I'm not going to be happy about it. This is way too just... I know y'all have seen Scarface. Mecca's body was sweating profusely because of the drugs and his anxiousness. He was ready to get it popping. He rose up blasting, shooting anything that was moving. The sound of Estes henchmen's assault rifle filled the air as they tried their best to take Mecca's head off. Mecca, even though he was high as a kite, aimed with a marksman's precision, picking them off one by one. He ducked behind the couch briefly for cover and then emerged blasting. Busting his gun was like second nature to him, and he began to kill the men in the room. Before he knew it, he was the only one left standing. When he heard the sound of feet coming up the stairs, though, he realized he had no chance against the army. A man ran through the door, and Mecca rolled across the floor and fired his gun at him, but nothing came out. He was out of bullets. Mecca rushed for him, but the man popped him in the shoulder. But that didn't stop Mecca. He ran and struck the man across the face, causing him to drop his gun. Mecca then began to beat the man to a pulp. Swollen to twice his normal size, the man's face became like a bloody stew as Mecca pounded the man with his gun. That's when the others came up the stairs, and Mecca caught another bullet to the midsection. Yeah! He screamed as the burning hot bullet ripped through his torso. Mecca fell on his back in pain and saw another man coming for him. The room was dim, so the man couldn't see Mecca clearly and began firing aimlessly. Mecca grabbed the dead man's gun and fired a bullet through the man's head, dropping him on contact, and the rest of the goons came in blasting. Mecca then struggled to his feet and ran full speed towards the balcony. With bullets whizzing by his head and body, he thought he had no choice, so he leapt. I'm sure that if I read this in a normal book, these people changes would be easier. It's just because it's on the Kindle, right? They didn't write it like this. It's just the way that this turned out. I'm going to have to go to the library and see because I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. Tell me, baby. Sorry. I'm just stalling because... Everything's going to be okay, young Carter said as he consoled Taryn. I'm going to find him. 
Taryn had been worried all night about her only remaining son. She, well, I guess technically he is her only remaining son. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, okay. She had gotten the news from her father that he would be killed. She knew the rules to the game. Damn. Her dad called her and said, I'm murdering your son. <laughs> hey, 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 what's going on? Nothing, chilling. Hey, can I talk to your mom? Hey, daughter, what's up? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You? For real, you cooking? What you cooking? Fried chicken? Uh, you doing it with the garlic and the soy? Oh, yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Hey, um, check this out. I'm murdering your son. Yeah, that yeah, that one. I don't have to tell you why. I'm older than you. Can you make me a plate? Hello? Hello? We lost connection. She must have been going through a tunnel at her house. She knew the rules of the game, but as a mother, there was no way she could accept the contract on her son. She tried her best to convince her father to call it off, but he wasn't budging. She had been calling Mecca all night to tell him to flee. She just couldn't believe what Estes was telling her. She didn't want to believe that Mecca had killed Monroe. Estes had decided not to tell Taryn about the baby, and he moved Lena in with him so he could protect her. Potentially, she could have been carrying a boy, and that would have been another opportunity for a male heir to bear his last name. By Taryn being past her biological time frame to have babies, he wanted to shield Lena until the baby was born. I know Mecca didn't do what they say and he did. I went over there this morning, and this place was empty and riddled with bullet holes. I have to find my baby. Taryn cried hysterically on her stepson's shoulder. I'll find him for you. Mecca's a soldier. I know he's still alive, okay? You know Mecca. He's probably laid up somewhere with a female right now. Them goons just came over and trashed the place, trying to intimidate him. Yeah, and then they shot into the walls. Just, you know, we were here. We're going to waste bullets in the walls. So you know we were here. Going to put a hot pocket in the microwave. Take one bite. Put it back in the microwave. I ate your hot pocket. We were here. Drink all your Kool-Aid. Leave a swallow. We were here. Gonna take a snort of your cocaine. Big ass top ramen pho bowl of cocaine just sitting on the table. We were here. By the way, did your laundry. Folded the clothes. Notice you have an underwear drawer. I respect that. We were here. Carter was selling Taryn a dream. He knew in his heart that if Essie's put a contract on Mecca, then most likely he wouldn't have step. Look, I'm going to check around and see what I come up with, okay? Okay, Carter. Thank you so much. Please bring my baby home. I can't lose another son. Taryn grabbed his face gently. She looked into his eyes and was amazed at the resemblance he held with his father. At that moment, she had faith that he would make things right. She then looked over at Breeze, who was on the couch crying, and went to soothe her. I will. I'm going to find him. Just don't worry. Carter said just before he exited the house. You know, if he dies, if Mecca dies, 
then technically Mia and Carter could still have a relationship. Because her contract is done. I mean, she wouldn't have been the one to kill him, but that's how I know that Mecca's okay. Because Mia didn't kill him. Can't happen off screen, you know? It's kind of like when you have a hero in the movie who uh, it seems like they're going to die, but they can't die because they're the only star in the movie, you know, that sort of thing. He hopped in his car and grabbed his phone from his waist so he could call Ace and Zaire to roll with him. He picked up his phone, but dropped him when he felt somebody grab him from the back seat. Yo, Carter, it's me. Mecca said as he released Carter. Man, what the fuck you doing? Carter asked as he turned around to look at Mecca. He saw that he was shirtless and bloody. The atrocious smell of liquor and blood invaded Carter's nostrils. Don't look. Stay turned around. They watching. He said as he lowered his voice to stay crouched down out of sight. Yo fam, pull off so we can talk. Carter pulled off. And once they were clear of the house, Mecca sat up and looked around nervously. Man, they trying to kill me. I know. Taryn told me what was going on. Man, tell me you didn't do what they say you did. Hell nah, I didn't kill money. I told you I saw them motherfucking dreads running out when I came. I didn't have my banger on me, so I couldn't get at him. Mecca kept his eyes moving. Carter immediately had skepticism, because as long as he knew Mecca, he was always strapped. It didn't sound right, but he was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I knew it couldn't be true, man. You know we have to get at them niggas, right? We have to go to war. Most definitely. But I can't with my grandfather on my ass. I have to lay low for a minute. Mecca's voice began to break as he explained to Carter how he jumped off his balcony to get away from Essence's goons and landed in his pool. He needed medical attention for his wounds and was losing blood rapidly. How the fuck did he get to their house? Like, seriously, if he's losing blood rapidly, how did... what? Okay, never mind. Carter looked at Mecca's bloody shoulder. We have to get you to the hospital, man. Nah. I can't go to the hospital. Estes will find out. He has a whole city in his pocket. I need to holler at Doc, Mecca said, referring to one of his father's old friends that happened to be a surgeon. Then after that, I'm going to have to lay low. You feel me? I got you. I'm going to hold you down. I have an idea, Carter said as he jumped on the highway. He had to make Mecca disappear for a while and knew only one place where Estes would never look for him. Yeah, I gave that quiet moment so you could have in your head the thought. That was kind of like Doherty Explorer. I know you all said Flint, Michigan, but he's actually going to send him to Flint. Like, I really don't have anything. I don't. I, I could have said fucking Puyallup, Washington. But what the fuck sense would that made in this storyline? Seriously. Also, this is all Polo's fault. Also, also. Are they literally just going to say young Carter once per chapter for no reason and just go back to Carter? It throws me off. Still sick of it. Just gets on my nerves.
916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. This nigga going out looking like G-Money mixed with Scarface. This whole thing's bullshit, but I'm loving this book. Um, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Um, leave a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, you know, wherever. Just let me know where you left it at so I can find it. Um, tell your friends about the show. I'm dope. I deserve it. Uh, patreon.com slash single simulcast. Uh, com slash sscast. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.